evening, everyone. I am Christy, and I am alcoholic. Mike, how's the audio on this? Okay. Did he put his thumb up? Because I can't see out of that side. All right, so I, I want to read the thing because there's a, there's, a, there's a prompt, and I really like it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat what everyone else that has been at this podium this whole weekend has shared. Because I, I like it. I'm going to take this home with me. My name is Chris Da Vinci, and I'm an alcoholic through God's grace. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous and sponsorship. I have been sober since October 30 of 1989. I'm clapping with you because this is not a success of mine. Credit for that goes straight to God. I did nothing to get this sobriety. I will challenge every single slogan you throw at me. Your life and mine is worth way more than a bumper sticker. It's funny, but I got to tell you, man, for a whole lot of years, I stood at podiums just like this and spat them back to you like a parrot. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Didn't really work, you know, long-term permanent for me like that. Um, I'll qualify a bit. I'll qualify a bit. I, uh, I know that there's some of you that are in the audience who are looking at me and they're like, you're, you're thinking something along the lines of, what, did you get sober when you were 10? <laughs> um, the answer to that question is no, but I should have. <laughs> it's a fact. When I first came in, there was a whole lot of old timers that looked at me, snickered and sneered under their breath. Many of them even chuckled a bit. And they would say garbage to me like, I spilled more than you drank, kid. And I looked right back at them and I would think, you should have used a straw. (laughs) I did. And not just for liquor. (laughs) Oh, see? Yeah, yeah, see, you got that, yeah. Right, 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 see? Some of you are paying attention. Okay. Um... Yeah, so when I came in, I, I was quite young. And, and I got to tell you, man, that is the most awesome thing about this particular weekend. As I look out at you and I've shared conversations with you throughout this entire weekend, is the volume, the number, the percentage of younger people here. Because when I came in, I had a really hard time finding you. And when I did finally find you, you weren't interested in the same things that I was interested in. You wanted to hang out. You wanted to, like, go and do stuff. And I was too busy, like, trying to work and make money and support myself. You know, I didn't have a mommy and a daddy at home paying my bills. You know, it just wasn't the case for me. I was real jealous of some of you. Real jealous of some of you. Um, My parents, in effect, had cut me off at the end. The last year or two. Uh, my father was a, um, he was a Baltimore City police officer his whole career. And he made it known to me under no uncertain terms that if I went anywhere near the house, let, like the block, if any of the neighbors had reported back to him, they were, they were calling the cops. And he was the cops, right? Like they weren't messing around. I wasn't human when I got here. Um, 
they were very justified in, in taking that action. And, um, and I can tell you that I didn't, I didn't end up that way only as a result of drinking liquor. I got to my knees really quick, really fast with a whole lot of alcohol in other forms. See, our book talks about that. They've been, you know, a few speakers this weekend that have mentioned specific substances from this podium. I can tell you I was not a specialist. I mean, at all. And uh, I, 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 it, was a, it was a real pain for me to try to get anything. I, I, I couldn't even buy cigarettes with a real ID when I got here. And that's no lie. I used a fake ID to buy cigarettes. Until some of you really incredibly merciful people brought me some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By the time I was old enough to legally buy liquor, I was in my fifth year of sobriety. Now, I can stand up here and tell you, oh, I've never had a legal drink. And you can sit out there and think, how could you possibly be alcoholic? Well, I can tell you this. I don't remember the first drinks that I had, but I clearly remember the first drink that I took on my own. It was at my parents' wedding. They were at the you know local Martin's Weston or whatever it was, and I crawled straight down the center of the banquet table and polished, polished off everybody's drinks. I could not walk on my own at that time. I was still in diapers. And I assure you, I remember that day as clear as I can see my phone and I can see your face. I don't know what I ate for breakfast this morning. I may not even have had any. I'm sure that coffee had something to do with it. But I remember that day like it was yesterday. It was a magic day for me. It was, it was one of the most important days in my parents' life, right? The room was like breathing with energy, right? Everybody was excited for the, the incredible love-filled event that was my parents' wedding. The room went silent. The music stopped. Every eye in the room was on me, crawling down the center of that banquet table. They're snapping pictures. They're laughing. They're smiling. Everybody's kissing on me, you know? I had arrived. (laughs) Yes, I did. They thought it was cute. You know, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house when I was little. My mom and my dad were trying to... There's no way to say this easy, so I'm just going to out with it. Because maybe there's somebody in the audience that, you know, maybe God wants you to hear me say it. My parents were trying to hide me from my biological father who was trying to steal me, right? So they hid me out at my grandparents' house all the time. And at my grandparents' house, uh, it was like heaven there. I mean, I could... She made meatballs in pots as big as these speakers. I mean, I'm talking, the pots were like this. And she let me sit right on the sink while she was making them. You know, I mean, like, to me, that's heaven. It's just, my mom was just like, God put her in my life for a reason, you know? Um, so whenever... I was a sick child, and whenever I was sick, my pop-up would go straight to the medicine cabinet. Well, the medicine cabinet was in the dining room, right next to the banquet table. Right, you know, the banquet table, 
It wasn't as big as the banquet table at my parents' wedding, but it was a big table. My, my dad's from a big family, right? It probably set 12, 15 people. And she had a, uh, a uh, break front, right? Like a sideboard beside the long table. And the bottom lower left cabinet was filled with bottles. And my favorite one, like there was green ones, there was clear ones, amber ones, brown. My favorite one was the brown one with the chicken on it. Because the chicken juice was the magic elixir that made me okay. I hear the whispers, chicken, chicken, chicken. I was in my fifth year of sobriety by the time I figured out that chicken was a turkey. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams did I believe I'd be in, in bourbon country giving one of these little talks, right? But I loved it, man. I loved it. And I, and I loved it before I knew what it was. The relationship that I had with liquor was very spiritual, In it, I found God, and it remained that way until I got to you. It kept me alive until I got to you. I needed every single drink that I took, and and I'm certain that I could go toe-to-toe with Eladia. I'm certain of that. I might have been slight in size and short on brain power, but I could put down some liquor. And the only time I ever puked is if I was mixing other stuff with it. I was not a puker. Um, my body could not tolerate it from jump. I had toothaches before my teeth grew in. I had belly aches. I had headaches. My hair hurt. And it fixed it. Whatever was wrong with me, it made me right. I didn't drink to escape terrible events happening in my life. I was learning to walk. How could that possibly be terrible? I didn't have the pressures of being an adult in my life. I wasn't escaping from anything. I was going towards the light. Which is exactly the same thing that I did when I ended up here. You know? I'm not going to tell you that my best thinking got me here. It did not. My best thinking got me hammered for nothing. My best thinking manipulated your cash out of your wallet into that guy on the corner. My best thinking got me nowhere near you. God's grace brought me here. Yeah. Yeah. I'd worked my way through every person in my life that had any vested interest in me and my future. All their love, did I have any clue? Did I choose to give it all up? No, comma, I had no choice. I had the drink. I didn't choose to alienate my family. I didn't choose to destroy my future. I didn't choose to hang out with the wrong crowd. There was no choice involved in any of that because it called every shot in every area of my life. Did my parents know something was up? My dad probably did. He started checking my elbows and my arms in fifth grade when I would get home from school. 
did he tell my mother? Oh, no. My dad played a big part in keeping my illness from hurting my mother worse than it already did. There were, there were times where we would be at my, at the, you know, on vacation, right? And my dad and my uncle Leo, my uncle Leo had a, had a pontoon boat. For those of you that don't know what a pontoon boat is, it's got these, it's like a party boat. It's like a floating deck, basically. And, and my uncle Leo turned his into a crabbing vessel. Because, you know, he would build crab pots out of refrigerator shelves from the junkyard. He could probably build a car out of a tin can and a safety pit. He was a genius. And um, so they would get up at like three in the morning. And if I was still up, my dad would be like, grab your flip-flops, we're going. And he would remove me from the house and take me out on the boat with them so that my mom did not have to see me in that condition. He knew what I was up to. He didn't know specifically, but he knew that she didn't need to see it. Because he knew that the pain that she suffered was worse than any mother ever should. You know? And he knew that my actions were behind that. Did I have any concept at all that I was responsible? Not at that time. But in sobriety, God gave me many, many, many opportunities to make that right. Many. Every time they come and visit, I go see them. You know, my dad is getting old now. And um, last week, he... I don't know what he did on the steps, but he cracked his foot, and he's got one of these boot things on his feet, right? And my mother wouldn't go to the doctor with him. She let him drive by himself all the way to the hospital, three hours away. I'm like, Daddy, I'll go with you, right? No, 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 because he's like that kind of guy, you know what I mean? But still, he called me when he was on his way back over the bridge. He told me to call her and let her know. He left without the phone. She refuses to get a cell phone. She's an old lady. She's a little nuts. You know what I mean? She won't get a cell phone. She don't want to learn how to use it. She wants nothing to do with it. They got rid of the house phone. So he left his phone with her in case something happened. He let me know. Go let her know. Everything is fine. So I got to kind of babysit her for a while while he was taking care of himself. You know? They give me a lot of opportunities like this nowadays. They gave me a key to the house to get in. This is not something that they ever did before you all and your program had an effect on me. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to thank Brian for giving me the opportunity to come out here and share with you. Let's just give a round of applause to everybody on this committee right now. These people have worked tirelessly to put this event on, all right? I was supposed to be here last year, but you know COVID. So this has been in the works for months. Brian has stayed in contact with me. We've shared about pie. I don't have a lot of people in my life that I can share about pie with. Brian shared pie with me. Mandy and I have shared some really cool stuff over the last few days. She's a cool person. She's a lot like me. I think if we were drinking, we'd level this town. <laughs> I think, I think. We might, we'd come close. We'd come close. And, and if not, we'd definitely make friends with the local law enforcement officers. I'm most certain of that. We, uh, she's just fun, man. 
we went, she took me to this barbecue today and, uh, I got to experience a real Kentucky barbecue (laughs) complete with brisket and dogs. And I got to tell you, man, I love meat. I was a vegetarian for a long time and, uh, and I really enjoy it now. And, and it helped me to kind of level, like I questioned my sanity for a long time. And when I was drinking and, and, and doing alcohol in other forms, there was an excuse for that in sobriety. I didn't really understand that a nutritional deficiency would have major effect on my mental status. Mmm, yeah. And it seems like the older I get, the more imperative it is and, and the more important caring for this body that God has given me to walk around in is. I have to take care of this vessel, you know, with, with great mindfulness Do I? I'm certain I could do better. I'll leave it at that. I'm certain I could do better. Um, I also want to put a plug in for Mike. Mike, our our recording dude here. He is recording history. They mentioned that earlier. I want to share with you about the fact that when I was first looking for this message, um, other than the facility that I was invited to stay at for my first nearly full first year um like I was exposed to those of you who had recovered on those speaker recordings the first one that I ever heard was Stevie Ray Vaughan and um I guess I wasn't supposed to say that from the podium I don't know that that matters I don't, uh, well, sorry, brother. Uh, a remorseful sorry won't fit the bill at all. Yeah, so anyway, um, that's, that's where I found the solution. Because I was not finding it in a lot of the discussion meetings that were in my area. Um, I, I still don't. A lot of the discussion meetings in my area... Uh, lack so much solution that I refuse to support them. That is a very bold statement, and I make it with great conviction. I will not support groups that do not practice our program. My job here, God spared my life so that he can use it to spare others. I don't take that responsibility lightly at all. Um, In fact, I don't even look as though my life is my own. I hear a lot of the girls that I work with, they want to get sober and they want to, you know, get cleaned up and and get get in their parents' good graces so they can have a great life. They want to do what they want to do with their life. They want to do something with their life. And And I think it's great that they do. But I got to tell you, my life is not mine. God spared my life. It's his. He didn't spare my life so I can be cool. He spared my life so that another one can be saved. I am most comfortable in the trench. I was talking about this with a couple of the other people that are here earlier this weekend. I am most comfortable. How I prepared for this weekend, this week was work. I work a lot. Um, I was supposed to be packing Monday and Tuesday night because I had something to do Wednesday and Thursday night. 
And both of those nights got blown to heck because my phone rang at midnight and my phone rang at 1130. And I'm not one of these people that turns my phone off. What if I was on the other end of that phone and you turned your phone off? You just going to let me die? I know there's plenty of you that have. I've called you, I don't know how many times, and you didn't pick up or return my call. There was one night I called 31 of you. 31 of you women. Because, you know, you told me to get a network of women. Get women in your network. Oh, yeah, I called 31 of you. And not one of you answered your phone. Not one of you even called me back. One of you called me back five days later. You wanted to tell me about some promotion or something that you got at work. You didn't even ask me how I was. I could have been a pile of goo in my backyard by then. I don't turn off my phone. I like working with other alcoholics when they are willing. Will I talk to them if they are drunk? Absolutely. Who am I to say that God can't come to that person while they're under the influence? I've heard many of you give testimony about God coming to you under the influence. Who am I to say, oh, oh I'm not going to talk to them until, until they're, they're sober? Pfft. What if it was me? I couldn't not drink. You told me, oh, just don't drink and go to a meeting. If I could do that, what am I doing here? I'm not able to do that. I don't have that in me. Just not able to do it. The girls that I get to work with, they're not able to do it either. I get all the ones that the other women in my town won't work with. And I prefer it that way. Because those women are the most willing. How many of them actually continue and help others afterwards? Not many. Maybe one out of 15, one out of 20. Maybe. But I know for certain that I'm still sober. And it's not because of anything that I did. I know that for a fact. That, maybe that's a little misleading. Maybe that's a little misleading. There are certain things that I do in my daily life that not everyone is willing to do, that not everyone has to do. If they're not going to do that stuff, I don't cut them off. I say, all right, see if you can go with that. Maybe you don't have to do it. I have to do some of that stuff. When I say some of that stuff, what I'm talking about is this. Quiet time. I have to have quiet time every day. And not just in the morning. I got to have it in the middle of the day. I got to have it, at, you know, around dinner time. I have some in the evening time. Like, I need that that time with God. You know, when I was first learning about it, and, and my sponsor, Chris, she was like, um, well, what's your, you know, her and Denise both kind of double team me. Because I, I have more than one sponsor. I have, right now, I, I have two. At one point, I had three. Um, I needed that. It is impossible for one person to have what, what each of us needs. We're just human. If the girls that work with me, if they want to call some other woman their sponsor, I could care less. Makes no difference to me. 
If she'll sit and let me read the book to her, she can call me whatever she wants. Yeah. It's just a term. It's just a term. So, so Denise had said to me, she's like, what's your, you know, what's your devotional time look like? And I'm like, oh, I used to read those books. Dude, I had every 24-hour-a-day book on my shelf that had been published. At one point, I was making so much money, I couldn't spend it all, right? So I would, I would frequent these kind of events, and I would frequent the shops that sell the type of, of merchandise that, that we enjoy. And, and, I, and I bought it all, shelves of it. Doesn't do it, anything on the shelf if I'm not doing it. It ain't about accumulating a library. It ain't about accumulating a pile of names and numbers on my phone. For me, it had to be about doing things different. Questioning, maybe is it possible that I'm wrong about this thing and that some other action might produce a better result. The only way I know is if I try. Right? I got I to gotta give it an honest shot. Got to. How else am I going to know? We're forever throwing around that phrase in the back of the book that they have misquoted about content prior to investigation. I'm really trying hard to not give you my opinion, but I don't, I don't you know, you can read me like a book. I can't play cards, you know what I mean? I just... Ah. Uh, um, but I can do that. I, I can have contempt prior to investigation. Especially when I'm corroded with fear, you know. Fear, fear is one of the biggest defects that I've got. And, uh, and it can chew me up and spit me out on a good day. That quiet time with God has been the only thing that gives me a little reprieve from it. A little release from it. A little relief from it. And here doing it, making a practice out of it. See, this. when Denise had first asked me that question, my practice looked like, oh, thanks for giving me a greeting like God. Thanks for getting me out of that ticket, God. Thanks for giving me a parking spot, God. Sometimes I would even talk to God while I was sitting on the toilet. You ever hear about this? I feel like at this point in my sobriety, God not only deserves more than that. So do you and I. The reverence that I have to give to this higher power called God is big, not little. Big. I have to recover loud so that others don't have to die so silently. I'm forever getting called out on my volume. I have learned that I can speak loudly without opening my voice. I can speak loudly with my actions. My mouth is just closed. It's just an accessory. You know? Goes with it. Goes with it. God qualified me with some some pretty powerful experience. I've got something worth saying. It needs to be said loud enough in however it can be said so that you can hear it. It's the whole point of standing up here and giving this testimony, you know? Um, 
Yeah, so I, I had to learn how to do that. She had su- initially suggested to start with two-minute increments, and I was a complete scatterbrain at that point. Oh, yeah. And by the time I got to her, I had already over two decades of sobriety, yet I was ready to put a pistol in my ear. I could not fathom waking up another day without a drink. I had come to all of your meetings. I had actually stopped answering calls from you. I was so sick of it. So sick of it. I would sit in the back, take every one of your inventories, because you taught me to do that. You, you told me I need to know what I don't want and how important it was, you know? And I wanted nothing that you had. I had great contempt, great contempt. And then the day had come at the time I was married, and, and my stepdaughter, uh, she, was, she, was, she had been sober in a solid big book study and went back out over a weekend after meeting some strapping young lad. And... Uh, yeah, it, it took the course of possibly 48 hours for her to hit bottoms that her father and I had never even considered, let alone achieved on our own. It was bad. And you all had called me. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What's your sponsor say? Our sponsor said call you. I didn't have anybody, to, I didn't have anybody to call, you know? I needed new sponsorship at the time. And I guess you could say I was using my ex-husband at the time. We were kind of using each other. You know, he, was, he, he had more time than I did. And between us, we had over 30-some years at the time. Now we both have over probably 60, almost 70. But the marriage had totally failed at that point. Neither of us could concede. We were watching his daughter literally vaporize before our eyes as a direct result of alcoholism. And um, I'd shut myself up in my office. I was doing my work and listening to one of these talks, like Mike's recording tonight. And that's how I found Denise. I, was, I found her talk online. Can you believe it? On the computer. And uh, I sent a little message off to that webmaster. If you know this girl, please give her my phone number. I know that we don't live near each other, um, but I would love to talk to her. Not two hours later, she was calling me on my personal cell phone. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to die. You don't have to hurt. And I can help you, and I'll do anything I can to help you. Later that night at my, at that time, home group, um, the other girl, Christina, whose other talk I listened to, she had also, Phil, the guy who was the webmaster of that group, um, it was the primary purpose group of Lindbrook and Long Island, Phil had passed my name and number along to Christina as well. And Christina called me. She's like, I just left my home group, and we're going to the diner. I'll give you a call after. Tommy and I had left our home group. We were walking down the boardwalk, and he ran into his buddy, and he started talking to him. And I was just like, oh, God, I'm not talking to this dude. You know, like, I'm not talking to this dude. He's got nothing to say, right? So I let him talk, and, and I was texting her back and forth the whole time. 
I hate everyone in my home group. I was the only girl. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm over these egotistical, arrogant SOBs. I'm done with AA. And she's like, can you, can you just give me a shot? You know, can we, can we try to do something a little different? I'm like, okay, cool. So we, she's like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, I'm working. She's like, 10 a.m., call me. And I'm like, I'll be at work. She's like, I'm available at 10 a.m. And I was like, okay. So um, I made myself available at 10 a.m. the next day. And she spent one hour with me on the phone, and I learned more from her in one hour before we got the page one as she read the four words and the preface that I had learned at my home group for the prior five years. Oh, yeah, come on. Throw that first 164 at me. I'm ready for it. It's more than that. If I'm going only on the 164, what about the doctor's opinion? What about all that truth that some newcomer needs? What if you didn't tell me about that weird abnormal reaction that my body has gives us a whole lot more cred than 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 oh if your butt falls off put it in a wheelbarrow are you kidding me do i look like i have a wheelbarrow we have so much more to offer than that you know the truth in those four words and the truth as a direct result of their experience, those guys that wrote that, those guys that paid with their life, spared mine. They had the cojones to talk about it. They had the cojones to put it in writing and agree with each other enough on what they were going to write. You know? I love my big book. I love my big book. I stay out of the back, though. If you notice, the, the, I'm carrying the B5 version, all right? The B5 refers to the code number that, um, that New York puts on. It's like the inventory number. It's the one, they call it abridged, I think, where it doesn't have all them stories in the back. I stay out of them stories. I know a lot of you like them. I know you do. But when I read them, I start thinking stuff like, man, maybe I'm not alcoholic. <laughs> I have a really hard time relating to them. You know, there's a lot of bits and pieces of my story that I don't share from here because it would separate me from you. My story is really unique and it qualifies me uniquely to help people. Notice I didn't say women there. People whose condition is similar to mine. While we're talking about conditions, um, I'm also going to share with you about why I introduced myself the way I do. And I, and I love this little blurb. I'm going to snap it with my phone before I walk away from this podium because I really like that. Um, an explanation for the newcomer is really useful, and I really like that. Um, I introduce myself as, as alcoholic. I typically don't say that I am an alcoholic. I am alcoholic. It is a one of many conditions that I have, you know, that is treatable. My illness is treatable. I believe that what I have is an illness. I'm not going to get on the soapbox, but I'm going to tell you this, that I didn't call it that for a long time until my sponsor corrected me. 
She's like, you have other diseases. What do you do with them? And I'm like, I go to the doctor. She's like, what do they do you know, for it? And I'm like, they give me medicine. She's like, what about that other one? What's he do? And she's like, they cut, he, cut, he cut it out. I don't believe that my alcoholism is that kind of thing. I can't go to the hospital. They can't cut this alcoholism out of me. I can't go to my doctor and say, come on, doc, give me a pill. You got pills for all these other things that's wrong with me. Give me, give me a pill for this thing. Let me get on with life. I, I, don't, I don't tolerate milk well either, right? I, I, there's a pill for that. Take that little lactase pill and I can eat all the ice cream. I, well, not all the ice cream I want, but I can get through a pretty big milkshake, you know, reasonably pain-free. When are they going to start making some liquor without liquor in it? They haven't come up with it yet. It's a condition that I have, not who I am. Who I am is God's child. And I am God's child before I'm my parents' child. I am God's child before I'm my sponsors. I'm God's child before I'm my aunts and my brothers. You know, I am God's child first. I don't put my sobriety first. I put God first. I could talk about these slogans all night. I'm not a fan. Maybe you didn't figure that out yet. I know the ones that are in my big book and the ones that are not in my big book. And I was really lucky to have people that asked me really important questions like, does your experience line up with that? What's your experience with that? I should have said that from the beginning. My experience might be different than yours. And that's the thing about Alcoholics Anonymous. We tolerate all of you. You tolerate me. My home group lets me come back. They don't tell me to. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? I almost walked right into it, didn't I? That, that's one of my favorite ones. Because it it's, it's not in my book. It's, it's not in my book. I know that because I've read the whole thing. Repeatedly. Looking for it. And it ain't there. And it ain't my truth. I am unable to do that. There's a whole lot of things that they have suggested I do that I'm not able to do. But as it turns out, there are a lot that I'm able to do. I am able to work. I'm employable. Wasn't always the case. The last six months or so that I was drinking, I had like six jobs. One of them I went to for more than five days. I think it was six days. And it wasn't five, six days in a row. I assure you of that. I, I couldn't work when I was, you know, drinking. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I could barely spell my name. When, by the time I made it to the hospital, I couldn't even hold a pen to sign my name. You know? When I came to four days later, strapped to that gurney with all them tubes and hoses coming out of every orifice of my body that God put there and some that he didn't. Uh, I was in no shape to be brought to you yet. Some of us need medical attention to be cleared before some of these measures can take a hold. Those are a lot of the girls that I get to work with. 
I want to tell you a story about a couple Saturdays. It was more than a couple Saturdays ago because this is August, right? It was 4th of July weekend. It was about a month ago. It was 4th of July Saturday. And I was at work. I work every Saturday. And I was on my second job. I work at Home Goods on the side. And um, I was on my dinner break. It was a good time to take a break because there was a big storm cloud coming through. And it was getting ready to pour. It was dinner time. People were they're not going to come out when it's pouring down rain to go shopping, right? So my boss was like, yeah, it's a good time to take a dinner break. Go take it. So <clears throat> no sooner did I punch out, I heard the rain on the roof. The whole parking lot was flooded. I waded through the parking lot to my car. And I was like, good. This is going to be good. I'll be able to come back late, you know, and nobody's going to miss me because we're not going to have a line. And got my sandwich and went all the way to the end of the parking lot to eat my sandwich in peace. And uh, it was a treat because I don't normally even eat sandwiches. So it was a real treat. My mom had made some meatballs and, and, and brought them over because, you know, that's my mom. And uh, <clears throat> I sat there and I'm charging my phone and I'm listening to the radio and got time, you know, to, to leave smoking right <laughs> this curtain of rain comes in I couldn't get my window up and I was like damn button is stuck you know I've been looking for I've been car shopping for like three years and uh my car has got my car has like over 200 some thousand miles on it. it like literally it's crumbling around the engine I can't kill the engine the ceiling is dry rotting like the headliner is all like dripping down every time you get in it gets in your hair you know and 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 the the stick is like you know sticky <laughs> it's gross but, but anyway but the engine is still still going like I can't kill it and I'm pretty hard on a car you know I'm pretty hard on a car so went to put the window up and I was like button is stuck you know which is not a big deal because the one over here has not gone down for like three years so I was like all right this one won't go down this one won't go up we're okay it's about right for me um and then I went to 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 turn on the ignition and it was dead I had a dead battery not that I didn't know that the battery was dying because it was kind of giving me the you know for like a week before that and I was kind of blowing it off you know not really thinking I got the juice running for the radio and the phone charger or whatever. So I'm trying to flag people down to help me jump start my car, you know, and, and nobody stopped. Like I, there was like over a hundred cars that wouldn't stop. And I was like, okay, what are you doing here, God? I'm like, wait, this, this little old man stops. And he's like, you're all right. And I'm like, I just need to jump. I just need to jump. And turns out the little man was a little old woman. <laughs> You'll understand why here shortly. Ah, uh, so she got her dog in the back, right? And she's like, I don't know how to jump start a car. I'm like, I know how to jump start a car. I got cables. I just need your battery. I was like, you don't even have to get out of the car, right? So she's like, where are you parked? And I'm like, you see that little little Honda all the way at the end of the parking lot? And she's giving me this look. I know it's sketchy. I wanted some peace and quiet, you know. I'm like, you don't have to get out of the car. Just pull your car right up to the front of my hood. I can do the rest. I'll tell you when to turn it on, right? Got the cables all hooked up. And she's talking to me while I'm doing that. She can't stop drinking. This lady is like 65. So she said she looks like she's 95, 
She weighs about 75. Soaking wet. Holding her dog. She's a bag of bones, man. She's a bag of bones. And she agreed to let me sit with her. And, and she was no stranger to AA. She's been to many of our meetings. Hundreds of our meetings. She wants nothing to do with them. Because all we do is piss and moan. I said, where are you going to these meetings at? And she told me, and I knew what she had given me, you know, testimony about was true. And I said, well, how about you go? Yeah, I, got, I knew some that aren't like that. How about you come to one with me? Maybe you come to my group as my guest. You don't have to say anything, right? And she's like, yeah, I think I would like that. I think I would like that. And she let me sit with her. And we had agreed to get together that Monday for two hours. I said, I'm going to give you an hour of background about me. And then I'm going to give you an hour to ask me whatever questions you have. And she was like, okay, that sounds great. And we were going to meet at two in the afternoon. And the next day she had called me and she sounded much more sober than she was that day. She was helping me jumpstart her car or jumpstart my car. As she was pulling out from, from, from helping me jump my car, she, uh, she jumped the curb and almost went through the fence. <laughs> and then she, she came back over the curb. She was on her way to get a bottle, man. She was on her way to get a bottle. And, uh, and she called me the next day, and she sounded reasonably sane, right? And I said to her, I'm like, are we, are we still on for Monday? She was like, yeah. I was off Monday because 4th of July was a weekend day, and when it's whatever day the weekend is or whatever, depending, sometimes it's a Friday, sometimes it's a Monday. But that particular holiday, I was off on that Monday. And, um, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Monday comes around. I called her. Are we still on for this afternoon? She's like, yeah. I'm like, cool. Two o'clock, she's like, yeah. She's like, I'm really excited for you to come over. I'm like, well, do you want me to come over earlier? My parents were in town. I wanted to see them. I was like, cool, let's get her out of the way. I'll spend more time with my dad, right? She's like, yeah, come over anytime. I'm like, okay. It was like nine o'clock. She's like, how soon can you be here? I'm like, I wasn't supposed to be there till two. It's only nine. (laughs) She said, come over as soon as you can. Can you bring a pint with you? And I said, yeah. She sounded a little, a little hesitant, right? And I know what that sounds like on the other end of the phone. Plastic bottle of screw cap vodka ain't going to cost me. I can buy cigarettes for more than that cost, right? I had no problem doing that for her, and I'll be damned if I want her seizing out in front of me while I'm trying to read the big book to her. I ain't interested in spending my day off at the ER for somebody other than myself. You know, not that I wouldn't do it, but I also know how to avoid it if possible. And, um, and she was very respectful that day. We sat together the whole afternoon. I got there about 10. She took two pops off of that bottle the whole time I was there. And I didn't leave until about four. She let me read that book to her for nearly five hours. The other time that I was there, we were just chit-chatting, sharing with each other. We have a lot in common. She's really artistic, right? So uh, she agreed to come to my meeting with me. That was Monday. My meeting is on the Thursday, my home group. My home group is the primary purpose group of North Ocean City. We meet every Thursday at 7 till 8.15. Bring your big book. We are a big book study. 
If you have experience on the page, we would love to hear your input. If you're nowhere near Ocean City, Maryland, you can check out our website, ppgmd.org. Please download our app. <laughs> How's that for a plug? All right. So anyway, um, she wanted to come to my meeting with me, and I was like, yeah, cool, I'll come get you. She's like, oh, I can drive. And I'm thinking about the day that she helped me jumpstart my car, and I'm like, mm, I'll come get you, right? She's like, oh, it's going to make you late. And I'm like, I'll go out of my way to come get you, you know? So that Thursday, I stopped off to, to pick her up, and she had the, I pulled up to her house, and her front door was cracked open, so I could tell she was waiting for me. And the dogs and the cats were, like, she's got, like, this little, I guess you would call it a closed-in porch, and then her living room. And they're sitting, like, right in the middle of the living room. I can see them through the door. She's got no glass in the door. I think it was a casualty of one of the drunken escapades. She told me the story. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, and the dogs are just looking at me. And the, and the, and the, the, the tails are going like this. But they're not moving. They're just looking at me and the tails are going like this. And I'm, I'm like, well, what's up with that, right? So I called her name. And I, got, I heard nothing. And I called her name again. The third time I called her name, the dog started yelping, not yapping. There's a difference. You can tell the, the way that the dogs make the noise. The door was open, so I went in, knowing full well that maybe I should not be there. I was like, God, what we're doing here, please be with me. And um, I made a prayer right there. And... She was on the couch. She had made every effort to get herself ready. She was in a fancy shirt. I could tell it was clean. I could see the fold marks in it. She was in a clean pair of shorts. I could see the fold marks in those or the starch marks. I'm not sure. I saw the ironing board out, but I had clothes all over it. I could tell that she tried to make herself a little presentable. But she didn't quite make it. The dogs had used the, the dogs, the cats and her had used the floor as their litter box. She was foaming a little bit. I did not take her to my meeting in that condition. I sat with her long enough to know that she would be all right. The paramedics said that, you know, she might need some further care. And I said, I'll do what I can. Now I'm sure she's got a doctor. She called me the next day, totally lucid. Can we try again for next week? Will you stop over between now and then? Absolutely. We've done this on a weekly basis now for a month. She can't get to a meeting yet. But she's getting a solution from what I know so that maybe God can do what he's going to do with her. Do I know? I would, I would like God to spare her life. I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know. I don't ever get to pick and choose who gets this and who doesn't. Ever. It's my responsibility to, to drown anyone with it that is willing to do what I did. She's willing to do what I do. I'm going to go to the end of the earth for her. She might not ever get one day sober. But she's going to pass with hope that she did not have. Just like Chris and Denise and Val passed hope to me 
that I did not have. Doesn't matter if I'm drunk or not. God can come to us. I know that I'm one of those alcoholics that could only recover on a spiritual experience. How do I know that? A, because I had every God with a lowercase g that there was to have before I found God with a capital J. I'm embarrassed to tell you I did use the Dr. Pepper can thing. But I can also tell you this. God knew that the sincerity behind it was true. And he revealed himself to me. That's what happens. That's what this book says is going to happen. And it did. That's my, that's my experience. It happened for me like that. You know? And, and I also know that if I'm doing God's work, he's going to take care of me. I know it for a fact. I've got to balance my budget every month and it never does. But I, I also know this. None of my bills are late. Not one. How does that happen? Logically, I can't give you a logical explanation. But I know it to be true. I know it to be true. God lets me, I get to have weekends like this because of his grace. You know? If I was home, <laughs> this weekend, I would have I worked Friday night, today during the day, a couple hours after my Saturday job, I'd have worked a couple hours on my other job tonight and all day tomorrow. I work seven days a week. I don't make enough to cover my monthly expenses. But I still get to do things like this because God makes sure that all that other stuff gets handled somehow every month. Every month. When my ex left, I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't work. I was so sick. I didn't even get to... we can talk about that on the side later. We ain't getting into that now. Uh, I got really sick in sobriety. almost died a bunch of times in sobriety. And, um, and at one point, even though I was supporting us in, my, in our marriage, um, I couldn't work. And when my ex left, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I had money that I could possibly spend at one point. The shame that I walked around with was was unpalatable God took care of me man God could God, God took care of me he still does and he always will there's no doubt in my mind this this sobriety thing is permanent when it's done properly when I follow the instructions in here I don't ever have to drink again I get to stay free forever thank you so much for having me